This is Black Millennial Money. This is Black Millennial Money, where we talk about how you can make more money, keep more money, invest your money, and spend your money on the finer things in life, all from a Black Millennial perspective. I'm your host, Joseph Oysum, and today I'm your illustrious guest. Regular listeners, you know what I'm about to say. If you haven't liked, subscribed, and shared with everyone in your phone book, now is the time to do it. We're on a mission to reach 100 million people around the world with life-changing inf- financial information, and you can be part of that. If you'd like to take your contribution to the platform that little bit further, join our Patreon. The link is in the description. You get extra access to me and the team, and as the platform grows, you get more goodies now where we will be answering your dilemmas very very soon if you're a part of the patreon you get those questions answered faster but if you want to send them into us hit me up on instagram at bmm global or send them us send them to us directly at blackmillennialmoney.com lastly my book the free circles of wealth how the children of immigrants and working class parents can get rich and stay that way is coming out the link is in the description join the waiting list you get a discount when it comes out and you'll be the first to hear when it comes out now today Episode 99, 99, episode 99. We've got one more after this one, so stay tuned next Monday. It's going to be a big one, real big one. The show's coming to an end at 100 episodes, if you didn't know. And next week's episode, it's the reason I started this whole thing. But today we're here to talk about, can you afford to get a property? Can you afford to buy your first property? A lot of the stuff we're going to say today in some ways applies if you if you're planning on renting or are currently renting it may give you a fresh perspective on how to look at things and for context on me i bought my first property with my now fiance in 2020 and have been living in my in my own place for just over a year now and it has not been easy the road to getting it wasn't easy i know some of you are on your road on the way there and seeing how challenging it is but i wanted to share some of my lessons a year in some of the things that i've learned the hardware and the things that work, the things that didn't work, and what I'm going to keep doing in the future. And maybe it might help some of you on your journey to getting your first property. So the first thing is the 20% rule. This is the rule that I put in place for my household because I wanted us to have a certain level of financial stability. I didn't want us to take to spend more than 20% of our take-home income, so after-tax income, on, on our mortgage. The reason for that is is firstly, it stops us from buying too much house, number one, because often people's first mistake is they buy far too much house. They buy more house than they can afford. And by the too much house, it means, okay, you're a single person. The bank is going to lend you £400,000 for a house. doesn't mean you have to spend £400,000 on a house, right? Um, between my fiancé and I, we could have probably borrowed about four hundred, maybe 500000 and we said no. We ended up borrowing more like two two twenty five because we wanted to stick to the twenty percent rule. And as we go through this episode, you're gonna you're gonna realize why it's why it's really worked for us and why it can work the same for you. What I part of my thinking is I didn't want to be a slave to my job just to pay my mortgage. So many people's mortgages are the reason they're still working. So many people's mortgages are the reason they can't retire. The reason they can't go on holiday. The reason they can't do the things that they want to do because they've got too much mortgage. I didn't want to do that. We were fresh out of our parents' houses and we had to get used to paying for this place. We wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be too much of a burden for us because neither of us had rented before. And some of you will be in the same position. If you've rented before, maybe you're a little bit used to the, the outgoings. But the outgoings when you own the place are very different from the outgoings when you're renting the place. And that was something we wanted to avoid. In addition to that, we had no idea the pandemic, well, that's a lie because we bought in 2020. The pandemic was in full swing. 
we were pretty confident we'll keep our jobs, but we had no idea. So many people lost their jobs unexpectedly during the pandemic. And these things happen. We're, we're to put ourselves in a position where even on one salary, we could afford to pay our mortgage. And with a view of the future where we're planning on getting married and having kids, that becomes more important because in many ways, maternity leave brings most families down to one salary for the most part. So we were to, we to future-proof our purchase. The other thing that we did is full transparency. Our take-home income was about 5K um, when we bought the place. So that meant that our 20% was about £1,000. I wanted to be under that 70000 That's uh, under that £1,000. That was our limit, not our target. My target was really to be at £700 a month. So 70% of, of maximum affordability. What that allowed us is to have room in case prices change, the mortgage, something happens and we've got flexibility in our budget. The mistake that a lot of people make is they go to their maximum to get the place and then after that they're stuck when things happen. We couldn't get a mortgage we wanted. The mortgage we were targeting with the main, our monthly payments was £700, but because of the pandemic, we couldn't get an application in on time. We end up with a mortgage that was £907. Still within our budget, but the two hundred pounds more expect more expensive. Had we been targeting mortgages at a thousand pounds, that would have been a twelve hundred pound mortgage, thirteen hundred pound mortgage over our budget, over our room for affordability. So that's the re so that was the first justification that this was the right thing for us to have done from the very beginning. So the next thing that we did is that we got a five year fixed mortgage, and this again is tied to the idea of this is our first time doing this we need to have some consistency. There are so many variable costs when it comes to owning a property. So many variable costs, so many unexpected things that happen in the process of doing so. So um, for example, we bought a flat and the freehold came up for sale this year. We decided to buy it because it would improve the value of, of our property, but that was an unexpected cost that we decided to go for because we had some money, we had some flexibility to do so, right? The other thing that happened is when we moved into this place, our gas and electric bill was £77, £77 a month. I got a letter last week telling me that from April, that same gas and electric is going up to £160 a month. <laughs> £160 a month in a year. So that's more than double more than double what we're paying. And some of you have seen these same at the same costs. The cost I used to fill up when we first moved in here. The cost of fuel for our car, we drive a Golf, a full tank would have been 50, 55, 60 pounds. The other day, I filled up for 85 pounds. Because of all of these variable costs and the things that pop up, having our mortgage fixed for five years, even though it led to a higher interest rate, gives us one thing that's steady, one thing that's constant. And that's our single biggest expense. We don't have anything more than the cost of our mortgage on a monthly basis. But having that as a fixed expense, and not having to think about it maybe in, in two years' time on a two-year fixed or even a three-year time on a three-year fixed mortgage meant that actually we could plan for the longer term. We knew what we were going to be doing. And to be honest, since, since we moved into that place, our income has gone up. Since we moved, into, moved in, income's gone up already in the first year and it's going to continue to rise. So the mortgage will become a smaller and smaller part of our, of our income, right? And... If you're listening to this and you're saying, I'm single, how in, in the world am I going to be able to spend 20% of my income? The average salary in the UK 
is roughly thirty thousand pounds. So that means you're taking home two grand, roughly. How are you going to be able to spend just four hundred pounds on your mortgage? And you're right. You're right. For the most part, that won't be possible. So if you're single and listen to this, I would target thirty percent as the maximum you're going to spend. And if that's not enough money, the two answers are always the same. Move somewhere where it is enough money, which is what we did, because we I, I was living in London. My fiance had aspirations of living in London since she was a kid. She grew up outside of London. And what we ended up doing was moving to Milton Keynes where we could get to twenty percent. And that made sense for us. And it's been such a blessing with the way the world has changed in the past year. So if you're listening to this and your 20% doesn't quite match, and even as a single person, you're up to 30% and it still doesn't make sense, move somewhere else or make some more money. And we're going to come back to that latter point towards the end of the episode because, <laughs> wow. I've I've learned some lessons. I've learned some lessons. So that's the first 20% of your income, right? Then 25% needs to be allocated to your bills and living costs. So this includes your gas, your electric, your food, your travel, whether that's the cost of a car, whether it's petrol, your insurances. Try and keep it within that 25% buffer. But remember, this is a limit, not a target. Not a target. So when you're looking at your Netflix, your iTunes or whatever else, subscriptions and day-to-day bills you have, gym memberships, all of this should fit within that 25%. The reason for that is that it gives you flexibility in your budget to adapt. Again, if you've got, if your 25%, for example, is £600, aim to get all of your bills in for near 400, near 500, but don't exceed that £600 limit. And for good reason, because the cost of everything is going up. So at least it gives you time to adjust and adapt to price rises rather than you're at 600 and then one thing changes and your budget breaks. So that's the next 25% allocated to bills and living costs. And as I said, it's a, tu- it's a limit, not a target. You're not aiming to be at 25%. You should be aimed to be as small as possible, as small as possible. Next, the 30%. 30% is allocated towards your savings. Allocated towards your savings. There's a couple of reasons for this. Firstly, your first home will never, ever be your forever home. How many things in your life have you bought and never, ever replaced? There's nothing. Whether it takes two months or two years, five years, 20 years, you'll always change homes. No matter how lovely your first home is, you're, gonna, you're going to get another one. You're 100% going to get another one because life goes in phases. You get your first home. Then you get your family home. Then you get your retirement home which is probably a little bit smaller than your family home and then you might even end up in a bungalow as you get older because you don't want to go upstairs anymore all of those could have been a dream home but your first place is not your final destination it's the start of a longer journey very much the start of a longer journey so bearing that in mind you should be saving for the next place the second you pick up the keys for the first place and the target of that is 30 percent. this is the only thing that is actually a target on this list it's not the lim- it's it's not the limit it's the target if you can go beyond it go for it go for it push to make sure that you're saving aggressively from day 1 firstly for your emergency fund and then onto your future fund because 
you'll, you will thank yourself for getting into the habit from day one and building it into your budget. Again, don't make the mistake of allocating too much of your income towards paying this mortgage and paying today's bills at a cost of your future and the things that you really want in the long term. So for me, that turned into being able to save our emergency fund. It turned into being able to save towards our wedding and having some money towards this freehold. We haven't been able to do it all from our cash. So to have the wedding that we want, to be able to buy the freehold all within one year, we've had to take on some debt. But because we had flexibility in our budget and we're able to save, we've taken off, we're taking on less debt. And now the amount that we're saving previously is now paying off the debt quite aggressively. So we're not going to be in debt for too long. And as you know, I really, really don't like debt. Can't stand it. But in the moments where life happens, it's good to have that flexibility. That's another reason not to max out the amount you can borrow on your property. If they will give you four or five times your income, it makes it more difficult for you to get a loan on something else if you, if you find yourself in a bind, right? Because all your affordability is taken up by this mortgage, you can't access any more money unless it's going to be a really high interest rate. So that's another reason to keep flexibility in your budget because life will happen. Those variable costs will, will continue to show themselves. And ultimately, you need to build yourself enough of a buffer, enough of a moat for protection financially as you take this big step. So we've covered 75% of your income. The first 20%, allocated as a maximum towards your mortgage. The next 25% allocated towards your bills and living costs. The next 30% towards your savings. You're investing in your future and your long-term plans and ambitions. And the final 25% is your money. This is your money to enjoy. Now, 25% of your take-home income is going to hurt. It is going to hurt. And it's going to be tight in the beginning. It's going to be tight. It's supposed to be. This is a massive shift in your life. All change is uncomfortable. There is not a single change that you've gone through in your life that didn't cost you time, didn't cost you money, didn't cost you energy, or all three at the same time, right? It will always come at a price. And that price is that you may have to scale down your lifestyle as you start to, to get your foot on the ladder. But once you're in there, like what happened to us, within a year, we started making more money than we, than we had when we moved in annual pay rise, a bit of bonus here, and now our income has significantly changed. In a few years' time, new jobs on the horizon, more income that way, and then the decisions we made today become even more affordable, right? And if you missed the episode last week on negotiating your, your salary and how to negotiate for your future and how I'm negotiating my way to over £100,000 in income, stop this and go watch that and then come back and finish this episode. That one might just be the key to unlocking your ability to get this home. So you don't want to miss it if you already have. And if you've watched it, you might want to run it back and take some notes. Now, the other thing when it comes to this 25%, it's really, really for you to enjoy. Find ways to, to have fun in this process because it's felt like for me for the past couple of years, it has been a bit of a grind. But being able to buy myself clothes, being able to spend money on small things that make me happy, rock climbing, taking my family, taking my family members out, spending on their birthdays, doing things that bring me joy, make a difference. They make a difference and it comes from this 25%. So budgeting for yourself, budgeting for your happiness makes a big difference. And we may look at our older generations and be like, life was so much easier for you guys. So much easier for you guys. And even if they spent 20 grand on their first home, 
all of them, every single one of them will say it was hard. That first year was tough because as much as they didn't need to say for four years like we do, if we're lucky to be able to get a place, it was hard to maintain, hard to keep. So cheaper prices doesn't mean it's an easier ride. So staying true to this 25% ultimately is what's going to help you get to the other side of things and make the long-term progress you need going back to the single people remember you had an extra 10 percent when it came to your mortgage that 10 percent needs to come off the amount of money you allocate to yourself and some of your savings so you'll be saving with 25 percent and enjoying 20 percent of your take-home income in order to be able to spend up to 30 percent on your mortgage comes at a price but ultimately you can do it and you can find your way forward. Now, to wrap up this episode, I want to leave you guys with two truths. Two truths, two things that have really been crystallized for me. And maybe some of you know this already. But the first thing is that being able to buy a property is not a divine right. It's not a divine right. In the UK, we act as if we're born with the, with the keys to our property in our hands and a mortgage in the other. But that's not how it works. The right to have a place to live and feel safe should be a human right. It should be a, div a divine right. But the way the world works is not a guarantee. And unfortunately, that's the world we live in. But the key thing is that buying a property and keeping it is hard. And that won't change. It's not going to change. For your first property, your second property, or even your fifth. Holding on to what you are acquire and earn in this life is tougher than it is to get tougher than it is to get in many ways so that's the first truth you buying a property is not a divine right and it's not by force not everyone has to do it what you need is somewhere that you can have shelter and feel safe a place to call your own whether or not it's you it's your name on a mortgage or on the deed of ownership the second truth and this is what i was alluding to earlier in the episode is that the older i get that MasterCard advert from back in the day where they're talking about for everything else, there's MasterCard. 99% of our problems in this life can be solved with more money. 99%. Something is either directly a cause of not having money or a symptom of not having money. The remaining 1%, that's between your ears and in your heart. That stuff that affects every, that stuff impacts the ninety nine percent more than anything else. But that's what money can't buy. That's what money can't fix. So when you're looking at this structure that I put in place, for me, that's working for me. That's made this fuel crisis and all the rising prices, all the things that have changed in the past year, inconvenient rather than incapacitating for my household. More money has always been the answer. More money has been the system. And if that's tough, as you grow, as you go, as you continue on your journey, you're going to find that money doesn't solve all of your problems, but it smooths over a good chunk of them and <laughs> softens the blow of the things you can never change, the things you have to live with, the things you just have to overcome. And the good thing about more money being the answer to 99% of life's problems is that it's very simple, 
super simple to understand. I never said it was easy, but it's simple. Simple addition. More in, less out. More in and less out. Being simple doesn't mean it's easy, but it means that the path to getting there is clear. So whatever you need to do to put yourself in the position that's going to see you achieve what you want of home ownership, that's the key. That will be the biggest key. Unlocking that is frustratingly simple, but thankfully, it is simple to comprehend. It's easy. It's not easy to do, but it's simple to understand. That's what's worked for me, and it will continue to work for me, and I think it will work for you too. Thank you so much for listening or watching wherever you are. And next week, the final episode. I'm so proud to have got to episode 100 with you guys. I'm so proud to be able to have been sharing with you guys for over two years now. The journey that I've been on, the things that I've learned, the experts, the specialists, the millionaires, the entrepreneurs, the wisdom of all the people that have been on the show. Next week, it comes to an end, but with a bang. I'll see you then. This is Black Millennial Money. 